0: Alright, so welcome back to another episode of the Team Stripes podcast. We are bringing you let's call it a 2 for 1 special today. We're bringing a couple uh Boston boys to the show today. We got the uh the two Bindas on the show. So anybody in New England will know who the Bindas are. We got uh senior and junior on the show and we want to welcome them, uh to the podcast. So uh, welcome.
1: Well, thanks for having us.
0: Yep, thanks, Brendan. So, uh, like I said, it's a 2 for 1 special where we get to get uh the, uh, the brain trust here talking to some of our, our listeners. But first off, uh, maybe we can start with uh, Gene Sr. here. Uh, could you just tell us about your background with officiating, how you got involved, like what's your what's your story?
1: Oh, well, I started back officiating back in 1974 as a kid in Salty. Uh, one of the things that uh, I was fortunate enough to have that I had a place to go when I was a kid with all the stuff that was going on in Boston and I uh, started officiating in the South Boston Youth Hockey uh, League in 1974 and really never looked back after that. I had a, a pretty good run with uh, the first couple of years. I was really involved with trying to get better and you know, got a chance to work some minor pro hockey in the East Coast League and a couple other leagues uh, that are no longer in the and uh, worked the ECAC and Hockey East. And now I'm in charge of Atlanta Hockey at the Division One level.
0: And so I'm just curious because in your, obviously, your background, you were also, uh, I guess, in, let's say, working for the Boston Globe for, for over three decades. I mean, I'm just curious, uh, did that, uh, that skill set help you out at all in uh, the way you approached officiating or were they two separate, uh, separate skill sets?
1: Well, that's uh, an interesting question because uh, I was the shop steward at the Boston Globe in the press room for a long time, uh, well over 20 years. And uh, that was no different than being on the ice or a lot of complex personalities uh, during the course of a night and any particular action that might be going on. And you had to really be able to facilitate it. And I think being in that position uh, helped me a lot when I was officiating as well, because uh, sometimes you have to have a cool head uh, under fire, especially in the press uh, room industry, newspaper industry, where everything's on a tight deadline and uh, tempest can flare at a a moment's notice no different than being on the surface.
0: And certainly you had quite the officiating career and it, it became a family affair so that's where we want to bring in uh, Gino so uh Mr. Binda Jr and just uh, obviously you have yes, quite sir. a background yourself you worked uh you know the Southern Professional East Coast American League I mean you've worked all over the place I mean talk about maybe the influence that your dad played on you and your a little bit of uh, your your career.
2: You know I mean it, it's been great um I started officiating at 11 years old. And, um, I, I'm still doing it and, uh, still love it. And, um, at one point I, I turned to him when I was in high school. I'm like, hey, dad, I, I got no time to hang with my friends. Cause I was repping three games in the morning, playing and boom, boom, boom. He goes, exactly. I'm keeping you busy, keeping you off the streets, getting you involved and, uh, a little money in your pocket. And kinda just took off from
0: there, you know. So tell us. I mean, obviously, you guys are well known from being on the ice, but for the folks, especially in New England, who will know you guys as running an officiating organization, can you tell us what referees' crease is all about?
1: Yeah, we're uh, basically we assign a lot of hockey uh, throughout the New England area and uh, the Southern District, but uh, we're more than just assigning. Uh, We run a a development program uh, for at two different skill sets. One for the the new kids that come in between 14 and 25. Uh, We do a two-hour thing once a month with those kids. Uh, All the training's free. They come, we feed them, uh, interact with the kids so that they can feel comfortable when they take uh, the lessons learned uh, at these classes and they apply them during the, the games that they're in. It helps them get better. And then we have the second group, which is from the say midget major or the upper tier of the tier one midgets right through the colleges. And, uh, you know, we, we work with a bunch of leagues. We work with the East coast league and uh, on a couple of, uh, initiatives and, uh, things are really pretty go pretty good out here right now, as far as getting kids to that next level of hockey. Uh, and, and like I just, our, our yeah, go,
2: ahead. You know, go ahead. No, like our goal is just to get these kids better and, uh, kind of, just guide them into what direction they want to go either it's the college game or the pro game or or what have you and um just just to make overall officiating better as as a whole because when i was coming up i always learned from my partners and and veterans and we never had classrooms and videos and all the technology now that you can use it it's, it's phenomenal and you guys are doing it too and uh it's great for the for learning, anyway.
0: And I'm wondering, this might be a question more for uh, Binda Sr. here, Gene, but uh, I'm just curious, like, where did you see the opportunity to start doing what you're doing? I mean, did you see sort of a need in, in your area to start doing this type of program? Actually,
1: uh, I fell into it, to be honest with you. Uh, I Where I worked in the, the Globe, I worked nights, so I had a lot of free time during the day. And to... Do the assigning and everything else that we do. You need a lot of free time. You have to be able to pick up the phone. You have to be able to connect to people, leagues, league administrators, and then facilitate all that stuff and get it into the, the system. And then, you know, get that assignments out. I think the biggest thing for me was technology. I was allowed to be one step ahead of it all. Uh, I probably one of the first guys that use email to get assignments done. And then from email, we went to a variety of uh, assigning uh, portals. And uh, now that we're comfortable where we're at, it's uh, pretty much streamlined. We can do just about anything we need to do from the point we get the game right up until the follow-up after the game. It's uh, been pretty good.
0: And that's an interesting theme, talking about technology, because obviously you guys are, are, like you said, are one of the groups that's really jumping on sort of the next things for technology. And I mean, for, for you, I mean... Can you talk about maybe the way that you look at the lens of using new new tools or new technology to help improve your officials?
1: Well, for us, um, we the first thing we try to do uh, is to make sure that when we're putting video up, it's not to criticize anybody. We're really trying to coach people and feel uh, that it's comfortable. We all make mistakes. We're human, and I know at some point uh, – when you are put in that position when you're looking at video and everybody's in the room having a, a chuckle at you because of your mistakes i always tell everybody you could be up here next week so we've we got to be really uh, supportive not even from just from my standpoint as a supervisor but as a group we, we and that's i think one of the better things that we do do we try to make sure that everybody's comfortable what we're, we're doing as far as getting people comfortable to make the right assessments on the ice
0: and i wonder if you could give some some perspective cuz i think we there's obviously a lot of listeners out there that will run their own associations and and maybe be uh, you know tasked with developing officials i mean for you guys do you sort of have a, a roadmap at all in terms of you know you have your newcomers and then you know as as they progress through your system do you have sort of a roadmap for how you want to develop these officials absolutely um, we we have um,
2: at our hands we have got mites all the way through college hockey, and we, we have all, all sorts of different leagues where we can place people, and you can uh, identify their skill sets, whether they can skate or not, and and all that. If they take to it, you move them up pretty quickly. And, like, if you're 14, 15 years old, you've got a nice little path set for you. you got mites and squirts that we, we have a whole bunch of, and we try to put you with veteran guys. <clears throat> and then from there, you just you just keep working up through the system. And if you get in it too late, if you're, like, 18, 19, 20, and you're a former player, and you can skate, and um, we'll, we can put you right in uh, at, at a Bantam, banum level, and then you work your way into the midgets, juniors, and off you go from there. So it's uh, it's pretty neat that we have um, all that at our hands to move different people around and kind uh, of develop them that way. And you, it, the see other see thing that we do get, do that's pretty yeah. unique uh, out here in the New
1: England area, we run uh, a lot of lot of tournaments at the high end. Uh, We just finished up a tournament a couple of weeks ago where we had 190 junior games and midget games in a four-day window. And one of the benefits that we do have, we bring in supervisors from all over the, the East to come in, and each rink has its own dedicated supervisor. So when those kids come off the ice, we have the video waiting for them, and then we discuss how the game went, and there's instant feedback. So when they go back into their games maybe later on in the afternoon or the following day, we, we we try to do is we keep a pretty good shot on them and then see if they adjust. So we keep that same supervisor with them for the weekend. And then the next time they come in for a tournament, we'll give them a different supervisor to see how that supervisor views the progression. So we're in a unique situation with the amount of hockey that we have up here.
0: And uh, obviously the scale that you guys, you know, manage over, you know, I I believe the number is approximately 2,000 officials. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is there a challenge there in in assigning those games and finding the balance between, you know, assigning the right levels or, you know, maybe moving people around? Is there a challenge there in in really assigning so many officials? Uh,
1: I'll I'll try this and then I'll let Gino talk about it because it gets to the point where we had a, almost separate another website just for the fact that we have so much junior and midget hockey and college hockey that we had to separate the company a little bit so that we're not always cross stealing from each other on the official so what we do find no matter how many people we do bring in there's still not enough the officiating shortage here in the united states is uh... it's going to be it's in a critical state i feel i think that uh... we lost a generation of kids And what I mean by that, uh, we have a group of kids that are 18 and under, and then we have a group of people 35 and older. There's a complete generational loss in between there. Do we have people between 25 and 35? Yeah. But they're getting into it later and later in their lives, so it's tough for us to get them ready to, to, to get to that next level. So that's where the challenge is. The challenge is... How do we get people into the system? How do we keep them there? And how do we advance them properly without affecting outcomes in games? That's a very challenging thing. And we, you know, some days we're here 16, 17 hours a day trying to figure that out.
0: And just in terms of recruitment, I mean, because obviously you mentioned that's, that's a big challenge for you guys. And you mentioned that gap. I mean, First off, I mean, what are some of the strategies you might implement to try and recruit young, young officials? And secondly, do you think the game's in a good spot in terms of officials wanting, well, people wanting to become officials in the first place? No, I think, I really think the big problem today is that uh, the one
1: thing that I always ask uh, when I'm doing these seminars. I, I go to coaches' seminars. I go to schools. I go to colleges. We have a, a recruiting film that we use when we go to the different division three colleges and try to recruit officials, we've been successful at to some point, but not as good as we need to be. I, I I really think that the kids today all they see is coaches yelling at officials and officials yelling back and I think it's that the kids today, that hostile environment they just assume stay away from because there's they don't see the enjoyment of what we did uh, especially me when I was coming up, I used to like the banter with the coaches. We had good rapport, but what happens today, everything is so heated over small things, a small offside in a squirt game. And you got coaches chasing kids around. It's, it's an unacceptable practice. And I think in order for us to continually recruit, we need administrators to start stepping on these coaches and fans and letting the, the pool grow because if we don't. We're constantly bringing new people in, and then the experience factor goes with those kids that were there that we had for one or two years and no longer have them. What would your thoughts,
2: Gino, on that? Or no, I, I'm on the same page there. It's just, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's it's tough to keep these kids around, and, and also you find that you, you're you're putting guys in the games just because it's a warm body and. Um, they're not necessarily ready for that level because they don't have the game experience or the game count, and that's problematic. And like, uh, so when they get to like a, you put them in a junior game in a pinch or a midget game, and yeah, and they might not have the skill set there, but uh, to do a full season, but they think they belong there for the full season. And I think uh, Chris Rooney always said it. He goes, you gotta you gotta do a number of games. You just gotta do thousands of games and see everything and Gain that experience, and you only you only learn from doing games and making mistakes and learning from them. You know, and don't be afraid to make mistakes. It's okay, and you just you're just learning from it. And we're, we're here to coach here and and guide you through it, and pretty much learn how to deal with the mistake and how to correct it on the ice and on the fly. And it's uh
0: yeah yeah, and I mean you guys touched on a, on a really good topic, and just the idea that you know the the culture now has just become. I don't know if toxic would be the right word, but it's just its just very aggressive. And I think you talked about, you know, telling officials that they need to be prepared to make those mistakes for, for things to happen. But, I mean, let's say you have a beginner, a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid doing a, doing a mic game or, or what have you. I mean, is there a certain, you know, advice right before those first few games that you're giving them to really prepare them for that possible confrontation?
1: Well, the, the one thing that we do do, and the, the problem is much bigger than, than that, because some of the things, beer. I'll take USA Hockey's certification program. All right, that kid might go to a seminar in Chelmsford. Okay, and we live on the south shore, so this real. We try to make sure that we get up to Chelmsford so that they understand what the process is. But realistically, we might not even get a chance to see that kid. So his kid shows up on a registration and they're putting the kid in without knowing what kind of benchmarks. Some signers don't even know if it's their first game or not. So what we try to do is when we get the kids, hey, this is the program, uh, we'd like you to get on the, uh, we use a uh, an internet program that's been very successful that uh, if we're having a meeting in Boston, we let everybody join in on that meeting so anybody across the country can video or watch what we're doing with videos and, and all the classroom stuff to try to prepare that kid. But for the most part, It's by trial and fire, and I think that's where we're missing the boat. Before that kid gets his first game, he's past the process, and now the big question that we don't ask everybody is, now what? How do we get this kid into a game where he feels comfortable? And that's problematic because we just don't have – we have too many games, not enough staff people, and we're putting people in the games. Maybe maybe one week more of training might help the kid – and we're not getting there. So that's to answer your question. That's the big problem because if it's his first experience is bad, he may not want to come for second experience. That's that's the troubling part.
0: And you know, just you know,
2: that- yeah. And some advice I would give a kid. Uh, sorry, the, the, the like advice I would give is just just go out, work hard, skate your game, and you know, if a coach starts yelling at you, you just you say, hey, Coach, uh, I'm not going to listen. If you want to, if you want to yell. I'm not going to talk to you. I'll talk, but we're not going to do the yelling thing. And usually, sometimes that calms it down when you just say, "Hey, I just we're just going to talk here you." While that first introduction, go over and introduce yourself to the coach, and say, "Hey, if you have any questions, uh, feel free just to just to ask me, or even tell them at your first game, and maybe they'll lay off you." But sometimes that doesn't work either. Uh, and, the, and the other problem that we have, uh,
1: quite frankly, you got a 14-year-old out there or a 15-year-old kid out there, and He has no idea what a line in the sand is. He doesn't, you know, he's got an adult yelling at him. And the kid doesn't, he could make the right call. And because the coach feels as though he can intimidate this kid, the kid leaves the ice surface debating whether he did a good job or not. And that becomes problematic. So what we're doing, USA Hockey uh, here in Mass has been doing a great job. Uh, uh, Paul Moore and and the rest of the, the coaching staff has been inviting us, myself and Kevin and the USA Hockey Supervisor for Mass, into these level one coaching clinics so we can explain to the coaches uh, the same process that they're going through. For example, the first question I asked them, how many people in here have coached for the first time? Right? You're coming in, you get your patch, and then all of a sudden you're allowed to coach. Right? No different than that 14-year-old. He's gone through the classes, now he's going out there. He's probably just as green as you are and he's gonna make mistakes. That doesn't give you the right to jump on him. So you as entrance level coaches and entrance level officials, why can't we help each other? And if there's an issue, get to the supervisor to help the kid, but to continually attack a 14 year old is just unacceptable. And I think that's where we're losing
0: everybody. And and just quickly, I mean, you talk about you know having the role of that the, the you know folks going into these coaching seminars. I mean, just initial <clears throat> reaction. Do you guys see this this having an impact in, in the games that you've been seeing?
1: At the, yeah and no, because it, it's it's funny. I, if I'm in a rink, somebody will come up to me and say, "Hey, I saw you at the coaches' thing, and you know we're trying to buy in with these younger kids because we see it." And then, quite frankly, at the end of the day, emotions far outweigh a person's perspective on what we're really trying to do. We're trying to get the kids better. We're trying to get the officiating staff better. And without good officiating, right, the rest of the game suffers. So in order to have good games, you need good players and you need good officiating. If we keep knocking these kids out of the, out of that officiating pool, we're going to run into that problem continuously. And the officiating overall is not going to get better, especially now that the 45 to 50 year old guys are on a entrance track, not longevity track. And that's going to be the problem. Yeah.
0: And, and Gino, I was hoping just I wanted to jump in as we talk about, you know, looking at the issues facing officiating, sort of where we need to go. I, I wonder if you might be able to give sort of a longer term perspective from your angle, because obviously you're a younger guy and you're the second generation, mm-hmm. your family doing something like this. You know, how do you see officiating progressing, you know, uh, as you kind of take it under your, your wing here a little bit? What does what that, well, that long term that... path look like?
2: Well, now that USA Hockey is uh, starting to do these seminars um, earlier, Um, they used to have it start in September, uh, October, November, and once that kicks in, everybody's playing. So you don't have the 14- to 20-year-old kids signing up uh, to to come referee because every weekend they're skating and playing themselves. So now that USA Hockey, um, they ran a trial thing last June, and we had 200 kids show up, you know, and we probably got 20% of that that are doing games. And when they left that day, they were all, they were all registered officials, and that just, that just threw 200 extra kids into the pool, and I think that's great. And then next year and the next couple of years, uh, we're going to start them earlier and earlier, and I think uh, you do a couple in the summertime when people are free, and I think that'll, that'll get more people involved and more people to these seminars. And that's one thing I think will we'll grow uh, grow the pool of officials.
0: Yes. And uh, I wanted to have a little bit, uh, this might be sort of an odd question, but uh, obviously we've got two generations of officials here, a father and son duo. Uh, I'm just curious, when you guys sort of compare and contrast to your time in officiating, I mean, do you guys see big cultural differences between... You know, the time uh, you know Binder Senior and Binder Junior were doing games. Was was there a big difference in how you know officials conducted themselves and how the game was sort of managed from a an officiating perspective?
1: (laughs) Yeah, from my standpoint, and then I'll let Gino hop in on that. But when I got in, it was small. Hockey was still in it as far as uh, where it is today was small, and I think the difference back then was. You built relationships with coaches and players. As players move through the system, you were probably moving with them. As coaches move through the system, you were moving with them. For for an example, I might have been a friend with uh, or uh, had a lot of interaction with a coach at a Bantam level. And then next thing I know he's coaching at the high school and I'm doing high school. Then he's working college and I just happen to be working college. And then I got into pro hockey and I seen some of the kids that we were with when they were Bantams and peewees and I see them on the ice. So there were a lot of relationships built then. And hockey was hockey. You didn't see the it was the lack of respect that I see today amongst players wasn't really there. Uh, because Quite frankly, back then, you'd probably get your head handed to you if you stepped out of line. Today, it's a different game. Uh, and Gino will, will talk to you about that because uh, me and him go back and forth on how to approach it. But I think that's what's missing on from my generation to the next generation, the personalization of being able to communicate with the coaches. And, you know, I could be wrong on the ice one, one morning, right, during a game. But 99% of the time, that coach knew I was given 100% effort, and I knew if I blew a call, it was okay. Today, I don't think there's that trust because video was crept into the no, game. Exactly. And I think that's where Gino steps in because that's where this is really putting a strain on the system. Gino?
2: No, absolutely. I, I agree that videos crept crept in the game, and it's now you're referring refer from a different perspective almost. And uh, back then when, when you were coming up, it was – there was no video, and you can you can talk your way through things. And now, when you say something with coach, and then you watch the video, it's like, well, it didn't match up. But that's how you saw it at the time on the ice, and you, you still do it today. You go to into video replay, and you go, oh wow, I didn't see it like that, you know. And it's just, um, it, it's good and bad. But uh, you want to get the calls right, and sometimes video can help you out. the The other thing, Gino,
1: can talk about? Uh, where the kids today and and where they think they should be. you you got a kid today who's probably got about 50 games under their belt, and they want to referee the BCBU game. And we keep telling these kids it's a process, and I think that's another thing that lacks today. There's no clear commitment to path if if they're not at the top of where they think they should be at any given time. Those kids today tend to just fall off because they lose interest because they're not where they think they should be. So there's the accountability factor when I was a kid coming through the system, and now there's just so many spots that are open, and we're putting people into positions that they think they belong there because we give them an opportunity. I think that's the, one of the biggest things to start the game as well.
2: I mean, when I was coming up, I, I mean, you make all your mistakes in junior hockey. You know, uh, you just do a thousand junior games. You do about a hundred a year, one man system. You're up and down the ice, and you learn it on your toes. You got you don't have four guys on the ice with you; it's just you and you you learn and grow pretty quick from that, and you have to make uh snap decisions and uh nowadays it's you got the four four guys out there and you and you can kind of walk you, walk your way through it and it's uh it's just different you know. <laughs>
0: I think that's that that's a tremendous amount of insight you both just provided, and I think that really uh, you know says a lot about the work you guys are doing and providing that 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 background of that insight. Uh, one question I had for you guys, I mean, certainly like you, I think you guys would attest, this a big part of your lives revolves around officiating, and I'm just curious for you guys. I mean, what are the satisfying parts of your job? Is it seeing that young official? Succeed, or what are the what are the points that you guys really take a lot of pride in? Sort of what you're doing is there is there is there certain moments that that stick out for you? On, on my end, uh, there's
1: several. I, I I think when kids are coming through the system, uh, midget junior is one thing, but the most important calls that I love like to make is when that kid finally graduates into the Division One college aspect of it. That's that's where everybody wants to be here, and it's and. It doesn't matter whether they're working for Gene Binder's Referee's Crease in Atlantic Hockey or whatever. To me, if they get into Hockey East, if they get into the ECAC, it doesn't matter. We've done something that I can call back in and say, hey, congratulations. Your hard work has paid off. And, you know, I got Paul Stewart and Dan Shatney out there. They're very supportive of what we're doing. And uh, be able to get people to work in those leagues as well as Atlantic Hockey is a fulfillment not only for me to see that kid make that that jump, but uh, regardless of where it is, but to be able to make that call. And then the the, the best call that I make is at the end of the year when the kid gets a a chance at the NCAAs, and uh, they let us make that call. So those are the things that really, really fulfill my mission of getting the game better. Uh, And... I, the college hockey is really what we're focused on, and we do a lot of stuff with the East Coast League. Uh, Joe Werns has been very supportive out here in the East, uh, helping us get some kids into pro hockey. And you know this that we, we've got about 10-12 kids out here in the East now that are working, and that never happened before. So those are pretty big, uh, pretty big accomplishments over the last couple of years with everything that we've done, and as we've grown. Gino.
2: Yeah, and for me and uh, the aspect I, I'm enjoying is um, actually coaching these kids and sitting up there. And yeah, it's 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 a different feel sitting watching a hockey game, but like you see these kids out there, they're working hard and they're they're raw and like you just come in and you give them some information and they they're they're bright eyed and they they're, they're taking in the information and then they go out and apply it and that that's rewarding on my end and it's uh it's something that I didn't think I was going to enjoy but uh it's it's taken on a and uh, I'm really liking it. And it's uh, good coaching these kids. And I have a lot of guys that they're, they send me clips and they're calling me after games and asking me uh, my opinion on things. And it's great because then, then, you know, they they want to learn and they want to get better and they want to they get the calls right. And, you know, it's just like I had a kid uh, this morning. I talked about a bench minor he made. And he was like, did I bait the coach in? With it? I go, absolutely you did. I go, you never went over and talked to him. I go, you were kind of, you didn't really know what, what to say because of the situation. You didn't have an answer for him, so you didn't go over. And I go, just go over. All he wants to do is be heard, you know, and then you can avoid the bench minor penalty. And sometimes that's all you need. All you need to go over and just take some heat and go away, you know. And it's uh, that's rewarding on, on my end,
0: for sure. And I think you guys touched on it that, you know, a big part of what we're doing in officiating officials is staying in the positives. And as we, as we sort of end the podcast here and first, firstly, thank you very much for both of your times. I know that uh, you guys are working probably 24 hour days getting these games assigned. So thank you. But just on a last note, do you have any uh, advice I guess for the officials out there that might be listening?
1: Yeah. Uh, no matter where you are, uh, and you want to get a chance to invest, uh, advance, uh, course i'm going to promote myself right now we have plenty of opportunities for that but realistically if i can't help you in my area uh and you really want to get to where you're that next level uh, feel free to reach out to myself or gino and we'll do the best we can to get you there it's not just about what we're doing it's about hockey in general and uh if we can if we can help somebody advance no matter where it is uh, we're more than willing to, to to help them get to the achieve their dreams no different than a player gino
2: no, oh, yeah, just um, just go out, work hard. Um, always ask questions. If you if like, don't. There's no such thing as a dumb question in officiating. But uh, yeah, just just keep working hard and uh, don't don't be afraid to make a mistake and don't be afraid to to ask a question to to make yourself better. And, and for yeah, for those
0: all. yeah, and for those looking to find out more about your program, where can they find out more information?
1: Uh, we have a uh, a website. Uh, it's uh, net, and we also have, uh, anytime they, anybody wants to get in touch with me, it's pretty easy. It's uh, G-E-N-E at RefCrease, and uh, I will .com, and I'll always make sure I get back to you. Again, that's G-E-N-E at RefCrease.com, and we'll set you up in the right direction, and if I can't help you, we'll find somebody who can.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you both very much. That's uh Gene Sr. and Gino Jr. Uh, and uh, I'm surprised we didn't have a lot of confusion in that podcast with the with uh, the, the two-for-one special of the Bindas, but uh, thank you very much for your time and we uh, look forward to talking to you down the road. Hey, thanks for having us. And I look forward to seeing you in the, in the near future.